Today's podcast is sponsored by the Christ for Disciples podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Steinberg, son of a Ken and father of five sons. Each weekday on the Christ for Disciples podcast, I apply God's word to raising the next generation. Take 10 minutes each weekday to listen to the Christ for Disciples podcast and get direction and gospel power to disciple the youngest generation. Subscribe to the Christ for Disciples podcast by going to ChristForDisciples.com or searching on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and whatever else. ChristForDisciples.com. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. This is the place where young men come to learn what it means to be a man after God's own heart. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. And our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to be the men that God created them to be. So roll up your sleeves, gentlemen, and gird up. It's time to get to work. Hello gentlemen, my name is Charlie Ungemach and I am the founder and curator of Gird Up and you are in the right place because this is the place where young men learn to be the men that God created them to be. Sorry about the background noise, it is still wicked hot here in Minnesota and because of that I've got the air conditioners going, I've got the fans going and I'm still sweating so you'll have to forgive the background noise. Um, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do besides sweat and I've done enough sweating already. First off, big shout out to Lion of Judah Clothing. This is the Lion of Judah t-shirt I have selected for today. There's a link in the bio. I like to be a walking billboard to look like I love Jesus at all times. I want to have a message of Jesus on me at all times. Of course, um, everybody ought to wear Jesus on their sleeve. People should know that you love Jesus based on how you act and what you do. But I want people to know and love Jesus because they see it explicitly. I don't want to leave any doubt in their minds who I'm about and what I'm about. And this is a great way to do that. You can also get Gird Up t-shirts online at the Gird Up store. And you can find lots of resources there related to the podcast and to the show and to your path into Christian manhood and masculinity. God bless you all. I'm happy that you are here. Now, I have a story to tell you. I actually have a couple of stories to tell you today. I did not kiss a girl until I was 19 years old. I was a sophomore in college. Um, and there was a young lady who had caught my eye while she was a senior in high school the year before she came to the college I was attending. Uh, she was beautiful. She could sing. She was super talented. Every time I interacted with her, she was super nice. I knew her parents. I loved her parents even before I had met her. And I figured this was the perfect girl for me. So when the opportunity came around and she was on campus with us, of course, I did my best to get in touch with her, and I did. I got her phone number. We started texting back and forth. I actually might have been like Facebook messaging or something because I had limited texting at the time. This was way back in like 2012 or something like that. Um, but I got to know her. I started to get to know her better and better. And uh, long story short, one day she came over to my dorm room, and we were going to watch a movie together. Now, um, this movie, or this dorm, so at... When I went to college, <laughs> the dormitories, uh, there are some rules, and they're good rules, and it's wise that they're in place, but there is a shoe in the door rule. If you're going to have someone of the opposite gender in your room, you need to have a shoe in the door at all times. Basically, the idea is if you don't have complete privacy, you will not 
do things that you're not supposed to be doing, or you'll at least there will be a barrier to doing things that you're not supposed to be doing. It also makes the R it easier for the RAs to enforce the rules um, because there's nobody like locked in rooms and hiding and things like that. Um, but this young lady came to my dorm room and put on the notebook. I didn't know what movie I wanted to watch. I told her she could choose the movie, and she chose the notebook. Um, and so the movie goes in. If you've never seen a notebook, it's quite romantic. And uh, she was feeling quite romantic. And like I said, I'd never kissed a girl before. And I uh, started to realize that this was what was going to happen. Um, I really liked her. I wasn't sure if this is what I wanted to do or not. So uh, I was really nervous. And I scooted over to the, all the way to the end of the couch. And she kept scooting over until we were at the end of the couch. Um, and then <laughs> she, uh, she kissed me. And it was amazing. It was the first time I've ever kissed a girl. And it was the coolest thing. Um, and that first kiss, I honestly can say, was probably God-pleasing. I, I, it was just wonderful. It was good. Um, and it was very innocent, and it was good. Uh, unfortunately, that was not at the end of the movie. That was at the very beginning of the movie. Um, and the young lady in question decided that she was not done. And uh, we started, you know, doing more than kissing. Um, I am a 28-year-old virgin, so we didn't go that far. Um, we didn't do anything sexual at all, actually. But the uh, we went farther than I wanted to go. There was a lot of touching and feeling and things that I honestly regret and wish I hadn't done. Um, and as soon as it was happening, I knew this isn't what I want to be doing. This isn't how I want to go about this. This isn't what I want to do. This isn't how I want to behave with a girl, especially a girl I don't know very well especially a girl that not only am I not married to, but it's very early on in our time together. And so uh, at first I was just trying to tell her, no, like, stop, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and then she wouldn't listen. She just kept, she said I was joking or something. I don't know, she kept giggling and saying no and going back at it. Uh, so then I started, I was trying to get her to stop, but she wouldn't stop. So then I started, this is going to sound so dumb. I started, like, sticking fingers, like, in her ears and uh like her eyes and her nose and things which is gross and dumb and she was like oh stop it stop it she still wouldn't stop <laughs> which is just so weird <laughs> yeah it was bizarre and strange um, and then finally the the way this okay so uh, <laughs> as i said i've scooted all the way over to the other end of the couch there's nowhere for me to go there's nowhere for me to retreat so i finally just took a deep breath and the next time she came in for a kiss, I just took a deep breath and blew as hard as I could. And her cheeks inflated and her eyes bugged out. And she was... And she just sat back and she said, Ew. Gross. <laughs> and it finally was over. Um, I suggested that she go sit on a chair across the room, which she did. Um, and when time was up and it was time to go back to the dormitories... Or her own dormitory. I walked her back to her dorm. Um, and uh, that was it. That was the end of the night. Um, and this was a Saturday night. I didn't talk to her on Sunday, which is probably a bad thing. But I was, quite frankly, I, I racked with guilt and shame about the way I had behaved the night before. Um, I was very glad to have kissed a girl for the first time. <laughs> it's a milestone in every dude's life. Um, but... I didn't like what we had done following up. I didn't think it was appropriate. I didn't think it was good and right. I didn't. I was. I was upset with myself. I was upset with her because I. I didn't want to do what we were doing, um, and she was pushing. Um, which, by the way, 
this does not get talked about enough, but it does happen that girls get guys to do things guys don't want to do. It's okay to say no, um, and it's not okay for a girl to try and convince you to things you didn't want to do. Uh, anyway, that was the situation, and I wasn't happy about it, and I was frustrated and upset. And uh, she got frustrated and upset with me for not reaching out to her. Um, so she came to my dorm room that night and basically told me off, said, look, I feel like I'm not even important to you. You didn't text me. You're, a, you know, I, I feel like you owe me something. And she's probably right. Um, and she got very upset with me. And I basically told her, look, this is not what I expected. This is not what I wanted. And I don't want to be a part of this. Um, she was very upset. She was hurt. I was hurt. Um, and uh, after this situation occurred, it was very difficult for me to date anybody else on campus because I now had a very bad reputation. She told her version of the story and I refused to tell mine. I told a very few people. Uh, I told in a very comical way, um, but very few people about it. I didn't want to hurt her. I didn't want um, the whole world to know my side of the story because it was going to make her look bad and um, because telling my side of the story the way I just told it to you at the time, everybody would have known who I was talking about. And uh, it would have come across, I think, as me trying to mar her reputation. Okay, You don't know who she is, so it can't mar her reputation. I, uh, it took me a really long time to get over that and to get past that. Um, it wasn't it was for at least two or th at least two years uh, before I even went on another date with a girl or spent time and tried to talk to her or get with another girl. It was just that was it. I would, that was it. Uh, that hurt for a long time. I've got another story. <laughs> uh, when I was assigned to my first teaching job, I lasted for two years and they asked me to resign. They didn't ask me to resign because I was bad. They didn't ask me to resign because they didn't think I was for, for ministry. They simply asked me to resign because they didn't want me anymore. And they told me that explicitly. They said, uh, we don't think that uh, you need to quit teaching or that you need to leave. We just think you need to leave here. You shouldn't be here. Um, and I had poured my heart out into this ministry. I had worked probably 70 or more hours a week every single week. All through the summer, I worked 40 hours or more. Um, my grandparents owned a house on a lake uh, about an hour away, and I spent, I think, five days total on the lake that summer because I spent so much time working on school things. I wanted to be the best teacher I could be. I worked so hard, and they asked a lot of me, and I worked so hard. I think the most frustrating thing about the situation was that while I was at the school, while I was teaching, uh, I got very little help and very little um, assistance as to what was actually happening in the classroom while things were going badly. I will fully own and admit that things did not go the way I hoped they would, and they definitely didn't go the way the school wanted them to. And I also would say the school was not wrong in asking me to leave. I think it worked out better for me and for them. I think... Uh, I honestly don't think I'd be the man I am today had they not asked me to leave. So it's turned out to be a blessing. Uh, but through, I was legitimately drowning for an entire two years. And there were only feeble, at best, attempts to legitimately help me. They gave me the generic help, like, 
you know, these are the things you should do if you want to have a good classroom. But there was nobody that like came into my room and watched and said, all right, these are the things you need to address. These are the things you need to fix. Um, it was just the, the spiel. I got the spiel over and over. This is how we do things. Go do it and you'll be fine. This is how we do things. Go do it and you'll be fine. There was no like, all right, here's what you're struggling with. Here's how I would address that problem. Um, here's what I saw in your classroom, yada, 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 which is what good schools do. None of that happened. Um, and then they asked me to leave. And it hurt for a really long time. I almost left the ministry. I almost didn't teach anymore. Um, I was fully signed up for the military. If I had not, I had this weird case of irritant-induced asthma. Never figured out what it was that caused it, but this weird case of irritant-induced asthma. And as anybody who's ever been in the military or tried to join the military knows, that word asthma is the kiss of death. Now, I could have gotten some waivers signed because I recovered from it fairly quickly, but I didn't. I didn't. I couldn't have shipped out in the summer the way I wanted to, and so I needed to find some sort of job or some sort of work. So I put my name on the call list, and by the grace of God, I received a call. That turned out to be the best thing for me, but it hurt. It really, really hurt. I was also once accused of sexual harassment, even though I had not made a single sexual comment. I had not made even a single sexual suggestion. Somebody who um, I was supposed to be mentoring, and I worked again so hard. I tried so hard to be of help. Um, I met this person before the school year started. I uh, told them the truth of the situation that we were in. Uh, I tried to be honest all the way so they wouldn't be blindsided by some of the difficulties and challenges that we were facing. Um, throughout the the year that we taught together. Um, I worked very, very hard to build a relationship. I worked very, very hard to help parents and families trust this person. Um, and I prayed constantly for the person. And uh, I did, this is not to say I didn't do anything stupid. I do stupid things all the time. And there were some legitimate concerns that were expressed, but none of them were sexual in nature. And yet, I was accused of sexual harassment. And it hurt, hit me to the core. It hurt me in a way I don't think I've ever been hurt before. Um, when the situation happened, I literally, like when I was accused of it, I literally sat in my uh, classroom and in, in somebody's the office we were meeting in and wept, and wept and wept, and not wept because I, um, not wept because I was felt guilty about what had happened, but I wept that someone, that I had made someone feel that way. Because you don't accuse somebody of that unless you feel that way. And I think this this person was honestly um, thought that they had been wronged. I'm not I'm not uh, minimizing that. But they, they legitimately had been made feel that way by me. Now, um, there was not, nothing came of it. Um, and at one point during the interaction... Somebody actually, or the person actually said to me, I'm not the one who's offended by this, but other people could be. And I don't want you to hurt other people in the future. And so I have filed a complaint so that you don't hurt anyone in the future. Um, which again, just hit me to the core. Because it implies a lot of things. Um, and it also made me upset because, <sighs> well, I think you know why. And it hurt really bad. It hurt. In all three of these situations, I don't. I still don't know. After years, years of soul searching, 
um, and digging through my thoughts and emotions, digging through my heart, praying on it and praying on it and praying on it. In none of these situations do I have I come to this like realization one day that I was right and they were wrong, and now that I know that, everything's okay and I'm ready to move on. Um, there hasn't been a single one of them where after praying about it and thinking about it for a long time, I said, you know what? I was wrong in that situation. I will never do it again, and let's move forward. There's so much gray area and so much cloudiness about all three of those situations that um, it's imp- I, I honestly think it's impossible to sort out who was right and who was wrong where. And I think after having spent literally years trying to figure it out, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think I need to figure that out. I don't think I need to figure that out. It don't, I, I honestly don't think it matters. It does not matter whether I was right or wrong in those particular situations. And it doesn't matter whether the other person was right or wrong in those situations. It doesn't matter whether I was a victim or the oppressor, if you will. It doesn't matter if I was a victim or not in those situations. Those situations are each over. The consequences have been handled and dealt with. Actually, in all three of those situations, there really weren't a whole lot of consequences to deal with long term. There was just hurt was the consequence. Hurt was the consequence, and that's what I needed to get past. Hurt was the consequence. And I spent so many hours, I spent so much time trying to figure out whether I was right or wrong, trying to figure out what the other person did wrong or why the other person didn't like me or why the other person was upset with me or you know what I could say to help them see the light honestly it was all a waste of time what I needed to do was talk to my Heavenly Father forgive and let him start to heal continuing but continuing to obsess over it and to think about it constantly and to let it rule my life continues to give the person that hurt me the power. Right? Um, I talk, used to talk about this with first and second graders all the time. The idea that when I allow someone to occupy space in my mind, I give them power over me. Especially when it's situations like these where it's so convoluted and messed up. Like, I did things that were wrong in each one of these situations. I failed in each one of these situations. Um, And so did the other person. The other person failed and did wrong in each one of these situations as well. And so there is no, like, clear, you know, all right, I've processed it. It's right and wrong, and off we go. At some point, you have to just let it go. And that's not to say you don't learn from the experience. That's not to say that you don't change your behavior moving forward so that you don't end up in a similar situation again. You do those things, and I have done those things, and I will continue to do those things. Each one of these has turned into a blessing because they have curbed my behavior. But it does not matter whether I was right or wrong or if I was a victim or not. Continuing to give them power over me does nothing but continue to hurt me. Letting them occupy space in my mind not only keeps me from forgiving them and moving on, but it also just continues to rip off the band-aid over and over and over again, and it will eat you alive if you let it. The second thing is that hurt doesn't go away just because you figure out that you were right or just because you forgave somebody. 
You can forgive someone and still be hurt. You can forgive someone without admitting that you are wrong. You can forgive someone without having closure. Those things are not dependent on outward situations. Forgiveness is not dependent on that. And forgiveness isn't going to make your hurt go away. It might ease the burden. But forgiveness is not going to make your hurt go away. Only healing can do that. And the only way to heal is to take what has happened and to give it to Jesus. And say, Lord, I do not understand. I don't get it. I'm so frustrated. I do not understand. Here it is. Take it from me. And I'll let you handle it. It's in your hands. We have a Heavenly Father that has promised he will never give us anything more than we can bear. And I like to always say when I use that passage, more than we can bear with his help. Because there's all kinds of things that you and I can't bear on our own. But we have a Savior who carries our burdens for us. And so he doesn't give us anything greater than we can bear with his help. We also have a Savior that promises he's never going to send any hardship which will not work us good. Even if that good is an eternal good and not an earthly good. Right? Dying usually isn't a good thing. But for children of God, it's a wonderful thing because it's release into our heavenly kingdom. Pain and injuries are not a good thing on earth. and <laughs> They make our life miserable. But they bring us one day, one hour, one step closer to spending eternity with our Heavenly Father. Our God has promised that he will, not, he will not allow these things to destroy us. That we ought to depend on Him and lean on Him. And we should do that. Because healing only comes from the Lord. You will never really truly heal. You will never really truly become whole again. Unless you take it and you give it to Jesus. And just because you forgive and just because you found out you were right doesn't mean that the hurt goes away. So obsessing about those things doesn't make the hurt go away. Only giving it to Jesus can. And finally, fellas, forgiveness or forgiving the person doesn't mean that they're off the hook. It doesn't mean that you're admitting guilt. It doesn't even mean that they won the argument. What you're doing when you forgive someone is saying, Lord... I am not going to be the one who judges this person. You are. And so I give it to you. I put it in your hands. And I ask you to deal with them. And the Lord might not hit the smite button and zap them out of existence that moment. Even if we want them to. The Lord might not destroy their life and tear it apart and revenge for the things that they have done. The Lord might choose to continue to give them an opportunity to repent, to heal, and to turn to him for peace, for hope, and for a future. That's entirely possible. That's not up to you or me. And it's not dependent on our forgiveness. Jesus says, whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. No matter how badly someone has hurt us, they're in the same situation we are. They are sinful human beings who do wrong every single day. Even when they try to do their best, they do wrong. Paul says, the good I want to do, I do not do. The evil I keep, do not want to do, this I keep on doing. And that is true for me and you. It's also true for the people that hurt us. And they deserve an opportunity to be forgiven. So when you forgive, you're not admitting that they were right and you were wrong. It doesn't mean that you lost the argument. It just means that you're not going to give it time in your brain anymore. It means you're not going to allow it to continue to hurt you. It means you are going to place it into the hands of your Father so you have an opportunity to heal and so they 
have an opportunity to make right with God. There's a lot of things that are going to hurt us in this world. You're going to hurt a lot of people, and a lot of people are going to hurt you. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter how righteous you are on the way. Sooner or later, somebody's going to hurt you. Sooner or later, you're going to hurt somebody else. It just is the way it is. Being angry about it might be righteous. might be righteous anger. But sooner or later, you need to forgive Sooner or later, you need to give it to your Heavenly Father and allow Him to heal you. The way that I do it is I sit down and I spend time with my Heavenly Father. I'll mull it over when I'm taking a walk. I will write down everything and one at a time give it to Jesus. There have been a few times where I actually wrote down everything that I was angry about and then burned it. There have been a few times where I wrote down everything that I did wrong and then burned it. There's been a couple of times where I've written letters to the person that hurt me and then like wrote it out, said the things I wanted to say, not angry things, not like, screw you, I hope you die, none of that kind of stuff, but just saying like, hey, this is what happened and this is what I'm seeing and this is how it hurt me and then actually written out like, I forgive you and sometimes walking up to somebody and saying, look man, I know you did me wrong, but I forgive you, sometimes it's not the best solution Sometimes, especially in these gray, convoluted areas, it's not going to help. Because you're still accusing them of doing something wrong. But you can forgive. It is not yours to forgive. It is your Heavenly Father's. In the book of Romans, it might be 2 Corinthians, whatever. In one of Paul's letters, he says, Forgive each other as I have forgiven you. When Jesus was talking to Peter, he said, forgive your person that sins against you 70 times, 7 times. There's no question whether or not we're supposed to forgive. But you cannot forgive if you remain angry and hateful. And you cannot forgive if you don't give it to Jesus. If you want to find healing, you got to forgive. And the best way to forgive to pray for the people that hurt you. God bless you all. I hope you learn to forgive. Go be the man that God created you to be. On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, and publishing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. We hope it helps you along your journey to be a man after God's own heart. Be sure to check out the Gird Up channel on YouTube. There you will find many podcast episodes just like this one, but you will also find exclusive video content geared at helping you be the man that God created you to be by introducing you to other godly men, teaching you how to behave, study, dress, act, eat, and live like a man of God, and you'll find devotions to help you grow in faith. Please consider supporting Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping in the online store at girdupministries.com, or by making a $5 cup of coffee donation at girdupministries.com. Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. Make sure that you like, follow, friend, and subscribe to Gird Up and our guests on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Those links are in the description. And as always... 
We'll be praying for you on your journey. Blessings, men. Time to gird up and go be the man that God created you to be.